We're not normal, that's for sure. We are not normal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hello there, and welcome to the Bible Geeks Weekly Podcast. This is episode 96. I'm Brian Sheely. I'm Ryan Joy. And thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in. We're in week five of our cross-training series. We've just gotten done covering the discipleship dimensions, truth, heart, action, and community. And now we're getting into the first mark of the master that we're going to cover this year. And that's all about faith. A couple of different aspects of faith over the next few weeks. And so what are we talking about here on this episode? This week, we're talking about belief. I was texting with a friend this week, and she sent me a Tim Keller quote that I had never heard before. He said, a faith without some doubts is like a human body without antibodies. It is susceptible to attack. (laughs) So I don't know if that's true for everyone, but for me, that healthy spirit of questioning and examining things is part of firming up my faith. And I suspect maybe I'm a little too much like Thomas, the apostle, but like Thomas, the Lord has patiently provided answers. And so in this episode, we're going to examine belief and unbelief and share some of our favorite places to go for faith-building evidences. Yeah, you have to bring up doubt on the conversation of belief. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, so let's get into our first segment, which is like the teacher. So like we like to do on every episode starting out here is go to Jesus and see how he exemplified belief here that we're talking about on this episode. And there's a story in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29, that is really powerful. And here we see Jesus healing a boy with an unclean spirit. The story is less about the boy and it's more about the boy's father. And so Jesus sees this big crowd and there's a father who's approaching and the father asks him to heal his son who has an evil spirit. And apparently the disciples weren't able to cast this boy's evil spirit out. And we learn why later on in the story. But Jesus asks the father how long it's been this way. And apparently the father says it's been like this since childhood. He's been having serious issues, convulsing, falling on the ground, foaming at the mouth, all the things that's been going on. And so the father says, if you can do anything, help us. And Jesus seems kind of annoyed by that phrase or by that statement. He says, if you can, all things are possible if you believe. And so the father says this iconic phrase. He says, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief, which Almost seems like a paradox, but we'll, we'll get into that in a second, I'm sure. And then Jesus obviously heals the boy of his unclean spirit. He becomes like a corpse and everyone is marveling, thinking that he's dead. And he reaches out his hand, takes him by the hand, lifts him up, and then he gets back up. And it's an amazing story. But I, again, I think it's more about the father. What do you get from the father's statement? I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Yeah, it's quite a request, and (laughs) (laughs) I think that's something that I can relate to, where acknowledging both my faith and my small-mindedness, the limits of my faith, I think whenever we bring both of those before the Lord, as this man does— God can show up and even help us in that unbelief that we're honest about and saying, I'm going to trust you, (laughs) but I keep hitting this wall. Lord, help me get past that. Yeah. There's so much in that 
if you can, that Jesus says, though. That's the, of all of this whole story, there's these iconic things, the statement that Jesus says about being able to do the impossible, but it's the, if you can, (laughs) the guy says, if you can, help me. And Jesus says, if you can. And I keep hearing his tone of voice. And every time I change it up in my mind, because you can't hear his tone of voice, but man, you can imagine it. And every way I hear it, it just emphasizes how much I need to trust him. If you can, (laughs) if you can, if you can. And it just, it's like Jesus is saying, Ryan, I can. What's your next question? (laughs) That's good. Because I bring those same kinds of things and I show up with these, Lord, maybe I sometimes say it, if you will, but maybe I mean it, if you can. (laughs) And he can. Uh, Muhammad Ali said, impossible is not a fact, it's an opinion. And our beliefs about what's possible can really handcuff our faith. They can handcuff our prayers. They can handcuff our work in the Lord. And I notice that Jesus here doesn't say, as he does elsewhere, all things are possible for God, though that's true, of course. He says all things are possible for one who believes. So he's putting the onus on us and then putting the possibility in our realm. Not that we can do it without God, but because we believe God, because we trust, all things are possible. It's just, it's such a profound story. Jesus is just throwing it down with that, if you can. Yeah, I think these three simple words are so small, but the meaning there is huge because he may have not even thought about what he was saying, if you can. But I think it's so similar to what the leprous man says in Matthew 8, when basically he reaches out to the Lord and says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus, in that case, looked at him and said, you have a lot of faith, leprous man. Mm. But in this case with this father, the words are just so similar, but so different that the meaning is completely changed. On one hand, you say, if you can. On another hand, you say, if you will, you can. And so I, I think that handcuffed analogy that you talked about handcuffing our faith is exactly what this man is doing. He's limiting God's power. He doesn't realize what God is able to do. Rather than appeal to his will, he appeals to basically the fact that it it may not even be possible. And I think that same attitude is what caused Peter to look away from Jesus on the water. I mean, there was fear there, obviously, but Peter is walking on water with Jesus. And what is he more afraid of? What is he more focused on? The wind and the waves and everything else going around. Like the fact that he's literally standing on water right now, he can't also believe that God can keep him safe in that condition or that Jesus can protect him while he's out there. I mean, it's like we do this all the time. I do this all the time. We find ourselves in these scenarios where we don't believe that God can do the things that he said he could do. And I think that's why Jesus talks about saying to this mountain, go be moved into the sea when we pray and it'll happen. I think the reason why he uses these hyperbolic phrases in some ways is just to show us there is no limit to what God can do. But man, I limit God's ability so often in my prayers for health, in my prayers over this pandemic, in my influence over lost people, in the difficult decisions I make. I mean, all the things that I might pray about Do I pray big? And maybe that phrase is overused or cliche, but it's totally true. Do I pray big? Do I pray knowing and being fully convinced that God 
can do the big thing. The contrast between those two, the leprous man and this boy's father, is so helpful because if you can is a limit where God is hitting his head on the ceiling of his ability, if we're thinking that way. Right. And that's just wrong. If you will is a choice where God is deciding based on his love and wisdom. And that's where we want to place it is within the will of God. If you will, if this is really the best thing, if this is what you see that you want, then do this. Yeah. All right. So let's get into our second segment. And that is favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things. So there are a lot of resources out there. There's a lot of evidences. There's a lot of things that we can go to to shore up our belief. What's one of the favorite things you have that's helped you shore up your belief? Well, like you say, everybody has their favorite methods. Some people like to start with internal evidences within scripture and Mm -hmm. show from prophecies and things or a scientific defense or the long tradition of philosophical arguments for God. I love to start with the resurrection of Christ. It's a good place to start. It really is. (laughs) It is what stabilizes my faith more than any other evidence. And it also has the distinction of being the favorite evidence of the apostles and the earliest Christians. Mm -hmm. They go back to that over and over again. Acts 17, 1 Corinthians 15, I mean, Acts 2 and Jesus says, this is the sign of Jonah. This is the one sign that's going to be given to this adulterous generation. And it also accomplishes a lot in one discussion where normally, you know, if you start with what are the evidences for God, you're just talking about that there is a God. And then you have to get to which God is it? And then are you going to look at what are the evidences now, next step for the Bible? And now what are the evidences for believing in Jesus? But if you start with The resurrection, which declares Christ to be the son of God, then you can work backwards and say, okay, we know Jesus is the one. Now, who did he point to as God? We know who God is. What scriptures did he point to? And you've really established a lot. And so I think 2000 years later, after all of these arguments were being made by Paul and Peter and others, still no one has found a better explanation for the facts that surround this event than that Jesus actually rose from the dead. And there are a couple of authors that I think are fantastic on this. Gary Habermas and Michael Lacona are historians that do a great job showing the data, but what they do really well is show the minimal facts. If you just took what are the things that almost all historians and New Testament scholars and experts around this subject matter, whether they're atheists or skeptics or believers or whatever they think, what do they all agree? Yes, this is absolutely true. Base facts. And then you just look at those base facts that Jesus died by Roman crucifixion, that Jesus was buried, that the tomb was found empty immediately afterwards. All of his followers are now declaring him risen from the dead, that they had some kind of experience that they interpreted to be resurrection appearances. I mean, you can go on and on to probably a dozen basic facts like the conversion of James, his brother, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. And you're just learning to think with a different discipline, learning to think like a historian to say, these are the facts that 
seem like they're immovable. Now, what is the most likely explanation of the fact? And so I think that this is a great place to start whenever we're talking to someone, whether it's someone who already is a believer that just needs to strengthen their faith or certainly someone who isn't a believer to talk about the historical case for Christ's resurrection. Yeah, that's not somewhere I would think to start right off the bat, but as you explain it, it makes perfect sense. I mean, you point backward into Jesus' life, you point forward into the ministry that he sent his apostles to go and, and take up his banner into the world. And from that yeah. moment of his resurrection, it's it's really the linchpin, I guess, of all of the work and understanding about who Jesus is. That's good. We'll put links in the show notes for these authors and some of the things that they have published out there. I think these are yeah. going to be helpful resources. Absolutely. And there's so many, there's a lot of good books on the resurrection. <laughs> of course, if there's something that you want to read about to build your faith, I think it's a really good place to go. So what is one of your favorite things in this area of evidences? Yeah. So recently at Monavista, actually about a year ago in March, we had a series with brother Buddy Payne, who came and talked about all these evidences about why God is to be believed in this quote-unquote scientific age. A lot of people start there. Do I believe in God? Can I believe in God? Is there a God when you see all of the evidence, quote-unquote, about evolution and all the things that scientists want to throw out there? And so he presented six lessons on a microscopic view of the proof of God the macroscopic view of the proof of God, and he talks about intelligent design and nature. He even got to the point where he talked about dinosaurs, which was really cool. But these six video lessons that he did, they accompanied with a bunch of slides and all kinds of details that he provided. And then he gave us a reading list, which was just a ton of books. And we'll put the link to that PDF in the show notes too. All kinds of books that are really helpful in making the case for why somebody should believe in God today. And I thought that was just a really helpful resource. If you want to go and share those with a friend or view them yourself and build your faith a lot there, especially, I mean, man, you can't even just look at the complexity of something simple and small and not see God in that. He did a great job explaining that. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I'll have to check that out. And I'm sure uh, my son, who is obsessed with dinosaurs, would love to watch that episode on dinosaurs. <laughs> and, and, but yeah. no, that sounds really interesting. My favorite thing, number two, I am a fan of debates. No, you're not. But yeah, I am too. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's how people think of debates. It's yeah. like people yelling at each other, arguing. Mm -hmm. And so they've kind of gotten a bad rap but they tend to bring out the best arguments from both sides of an issue. And there are a lot of fantastic debates out there, a lot of books that you can get that go back and forth thinking through different questions around all kinds of biblical issues, but certainly around evidences and apologetics. Uh, one of my favorite debaters for theism, for believing in God and believing more specifically in Jesus is a philosopher named William Lane Craig. Oh, yeah. He has podcasts and videos and on YouTube, you can get some good short animated videos on things like the cosmological argument, which mm -hmm. is the argument for a cause, having an uncaused cause at the beginning of everything, and that everything didn't just come from nothing. But I also would recommend seeing either in print format or 
in video format if there are any debates by him. I believe Gary Habermas and there's some others who have debated on the resurrection. And those are helpful if you're really interested. If that is a format that helps you kind of hearing both sides, I think that that can be interesting. I'll give you another one that's not a really exactly a debate, but I have this book between Freud and C.S. Lewis, but it's just something that somebody put together, cutting up their writings and putting them in dialogue with each other, which is kind of like a debate. So that's another kind of fun resource I'll put a link in there for too. So my last one is going to be super basic. You ready for this? Bring it. Go back to the book of Job, Job chapter 38 through 41. That, Mm, yeah. growing up, I mean, before I looked at videos on creation and before I was looking at resources like we've been talking about on this episode, growing up, reading those four chapters of Job just really solidified my belief in God's power compared to the smallness of man. That is exactly how he starts his response to Job in that kind of shocking way you hear from God. He says, dress for action like a man. I will question (laughs) you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. And that's the beginning of it. And he just, he bowls him over for the rest of the four chapters about all of the amazing things that he's done. He covers the gamut and really just gives us a sliver into the picture of what he's capable of. But from the great and obvious deeds to the very small, secret, unknowable, behind-the-scenes things that God does, it's just a huge faith-builder chapter or series of chapters. And I think it, it feels more like a smackdown to Job, but if you view it kind of out of the context a little bit, just view it as let God explain what he does. It's amazing to see how complicated everything is, how unknowable things are, and yet how in control God is over all those things. And when we think we know, or when we're really speculating, maybe we should actually step back and just let God be God, let him be in charge, and give all the responsibility and ownership to him. Yeah, yeah, the secret things belong to God. <laughs> the things he's told us, we we get to have, we get to know, but there is this sense in which we have to get to our limit and say, all right, I'm out. The I'm rest out. is yours, Lord. Thanks <laughs> Thanks for what I have. I'm going to leave the rest in your hands. All right. So let's get into our third segment here on the episode, and that is Through the Week. I am ready to face any challenges that might be foolish enough to face me. So we are closing out this episode with five challenges that we're going to do this week, and we're inviting you to do them along with us. And it's all about shoring up our belief, shoring up our faith. And so these challenges, I think, will be really helpful for us. Hopefully they're helpful for you. The first challenge is a reading challenge. And so we encourage you this week to read Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. That's the passage we read at the beginning. John chapter 9, verse 35 through 41. John 20, 30 to 31. Psalm 119, verse 65 to 72. And finally, Romans chapter 4, 16 to 25. And I'm just going to pick out one of these here to talk about just briefly. And that's John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. This is where John kind of summarizes his gospel, in a sense, at the end and kind of explains why he even wrote 
what he wrote, why he included what he did. He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. It's a beautiful summary of what John is trying to accomplish here, but we've talked about miracles before and we've described them as signs. And that's what John's referencing here. I put these signs in here, these miracles, so that you would believe. And they're directing us down the road of faith, and they're pointing to Jesus' great power. And it's hard to think about reading these signs, looking at the miracles of Jesus. By the way, we just got done at Monte Vista doing a whole series of lessons on the miracles of Jesus, which is really faith-building too. But it's hard to look at these miracles and just walk away thinking, yeah, he's just a good teacher. He's he's an average guy. The proof is all throughout the Gospels, and I think that's why Jesus is pointing to the witness of his miraculous works in John chapter 5 with the Pharisees, basically saying, look, look at the signs I'm doing. Look at them, and they should prove that I am who I said I was. Yeah, that's great. Our next challenge is to reflect. And so this is a thought question for us to ponder. And the question is, how does faith change the way I see my life and everything happening around me? So it's kind of the Job question. Mm -hmm. Now that I realize who God is and I believe in what he has said, how does that affect my perception of things? A while back, we watched this kid's movie where anytime the characters looked through this little lens They could see these little fairies running around. Some of them were good fairies and bad fairies and all kinds of stuff. It was a weird movie. It sounds exciting. (laughs) Yeah. So they could basically, they could see things that the naked eye couldn't perceive. And that's what faith actually does for us. And you think of Elisha's servant. Yeah, that's exactly who I was thinking of. (laughs) Yeah. Elisha prays as the servant is panicking and Elisha prays that his servant would see more clearly what's happening. And then he sees the army of the Lord surrounding the city walls in the same way. You need to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. As Paul talks about in second Corinthians five, we live by the things that we realize are there, even if we can't sense them, even if we don't see them or feel them or touch them, we know that there are promises that haven't yet been fully realized that keep us going. We know that there is a power beyond us, that there is a care that God brings to his children and he's at work. We know that we're forgiven even when we can't feel a change. Whenever we repent and we turn to the Lord, we know because of our faith. We believe in angels ministering to us and forces of darkness opposing us and heaven above us and God's spirit within us here on earth. And it's helpful to reflect on how different our perception needs to be through faith, looking around with those goggles of faith, with that different lens through which we see things. Yeah. I mean, we just got done recently with Hebrews 11. That's what that whole chapter is all about. Just a whole bunch of people who didn't see things the way normal people see things. We're not normal, that's for sure. We are not normal. (laughs) (laughs) So the third challenge here is to request, and that's to pray to the Lord something along the lines of what the father in that story prayed about. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And that's a phrase maybe you haven't said personally before, and you could phrase this however you want in your prayer, but I think the point here is let's just get real. 
it's easy for us to think sometimes that faith is like a binary thing. It's on or it's off. But like this father, he had a a little bit of faith, but he needed more faith. And we're always on a spectrum of faith. We have more faith. We have less faith some days. And so how much do I believe right now? Just get real about it for yourself in this prayer to God. How much faith do I have right now? And where do I want to be someday in my belief? And if I think if I can own and acknowledge my faith and make it real, then I can really start to journey with God honestly and sincerely and let him help me to increase. And that's really what we all want is to have our faith grow like this father asked Jesus for, help my unbelief, help me get through these times of challenging doubts and fears and concerns and just help me see things the way that you want me to see them. And that really, in a way, leads right into the next challenge, which is actually a challenge for a prayer. It's our respond challenge. And the action item is to pray for something big and bold and believe that God can do it. (laughs) How do I embolden and take my small prayers that I might be thinking too little on and turn them up to 11. Uh, There's just (laughs) spinal touch, spinal tap, just crank it up. And just, I just look around at the world. You think about all that there is in our nation, in the world, in the church, in the sick people all around us, in the unsaved people in our lives and throughout the world. There's so much to pray for. And then you think about your life. What in my life and in your life Could I ask for something? Could I ask God to lead me into something bigger, into a bigger challenge, a bigger opportunity, a a way that I can really take a giant leap forward in my faith and my growth? Maybe there's something that you could almost dare to hope God would do in your life. Remember what Jesus says in that story we started with, all things are possible for the one who believes. And the Lord may not will it, but he can. He can it. (laughs) He can it. He can it. He may not will it, but he can it. (laughs) Pray and believe he can it. And if he wills, then you'll step right into that and walk with him through it. That's good. All right. So our last challenge is a conversation. It's to reach out and talk to somebody, ask somebody a spiritual question. And here's the question. What has strengthened your faith? And this is a little bit different than our favorite things where we were talking about evidences and those kinds of things. What has really personally for you strengthened your faith? So let's talk about it here at the end of the episode. Ryan, what has strengthened your faith? The thing that I was thinking about when I saw this question is the kind of thing that isn't going to strengthen anybody else's faith, but strengthens mine. It's not an evidence for anyone else, but seeing God's hand at work in my life in big ways and in little ways has just affected me in profound ways. There's a song we sing sometimes that says at the end, you ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And I always thought, what a weak evidence. (laughs) Nobody is going to be convinced by that. Oh, I have a feeling about it. What is that? But over time, I've come to kind of, I think, appreciate the meaning of coming to understand 
a different way of walking when you're walking by faith and how it changes everything whenever God is present in your life, whenever the Lord is with you. And there are these life-changing crossroads moments that I've had in my life that I look back and think, wow, where would I be if that didn't happen? And these perfect storms of challenge and support. (laughs) I think about it whenever I moved to Hawaii in in high school and where I was before we moved. It's not one thing. It's like 60 things that just changed my whole life. I think of the way the relationship with my wife happened and the answered prayers and these wonderful, unexplainable coincidences of life that kind of take your breath away and leave you with a clear sense that God is at work, even if you can't always say how. It's kind of like the book of Esther. I was just going to say it's like Esther. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. That is our lives, right? It's like, well, it never says God did that and you can't see him there anywhere. Nobody... Mm -hmm. There's no parting of the waves. There's no (laughs) fire from the heavens. But come on. God was there. You can see it. And if you're Esther or you're Mordecai, you can really see it when you look back. Can't always see it in the moment, but you can really see it when you look back. Well, even people like Joseph. I mean, all the times where he was just in a terrible situation or in an unfortunate situation. I mean, God never it doesn't appear, came to him and showed him all the reasons why everything was happening to him the way that they were, but he trusted God. And eventually that led him to where he needed to be and put him in the place where God was going to use him. I don't know, Joseph, Esther, all these people who just don't know, but continue to walk in trust and in faith, believing in God and following his will. That's exactly what we need to be reminded of today, especially as we look around and have no idea why we're going through what we're going through or what's going to happen in the future. Mm. A big confidence booster, I think. So for me, talking about strengthening my faith, this kind of comes off of last week's episode talking about community, but I was just thinking about how some of the most faith-building moments, aside from these evidences and things that we'd been talking about earlier in the episode, they're really about becoming stronger when I'm around other believers or when I have people close to me who I'm watching their decisions, I'm watching their commitment, I'm seeing their focus on the Lord, and that's just super motivating for me. I think that's what we see in the early church way back. I mean, even in Acts 16, they're going about through all the cities, they're delivering to the churches these decisions that had been made by the council in Jerusalem and the apostles and elders who were all there. And so it says that the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. We might just gloss over this and say, oh, yeah, the churches were strengthened. But these are individual people within all of these churches who are being strengthened, who are being encouraged by the things that are happening. They're seeing the growth and their faith is growing. They're trusting in the Lord more. Their their belief is shored up. And I just think the more that isolation kind of takes over and the more that my tendency might be to pull away from people, that's super dangerous. And when I'm around people, when when I have people close to me who are reaching out and talking to me just, you know, throughout the day over text message or whatever, or we're getting together at a distance and maybe shouting at each other. I mean, that for me is something that can really build my faith. And we all supply in the body. We all have a function. We all have things that we can do to support each other. And so while I'm being supplied and strengthened in my faith, that means I get to turn around and give strength 
and build up somebody's faith like they do for me. There is something really valuable about hearing what the Lord is doing in someone else's life and what challenges are you facing? How are you growing through it? And just like you say, walking together with other believers through this life and sharing those things and sharing our faith. This question is a really great question to ask each other. What has strengthened your faith? It's a great place to start in doing exactly what you just described. All right. So those are the five challenges. Hopefully you're encouraged to do those things this week. And hopefully your belief, your trust in the Lord will increase in your faith in him. And next week, just a programming note here. Normally, we would be talking about the next aspect of faith, which is trust. We're going to be off next week, but don't forget to check out our daily download episode all about trust. We'll be throwing back to an old episode next week, but stay tuned for that. I hate that we're missing trust, but we'll have to do some catch up on this idea of trust. And uh, we we do have quite a few old episodes where we talk about that kind of thing. So we'll for probably have something sure. we can throw in there. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into the Bible Geeks podcast. You can find us on our website at BibleGeeks.fm. You can find show notes for this episode, which will be jam-packed, by the way, in your podcast player of choice or at BibleGeeks.fm slash 96. You can also get in touch with us on our website or on social media. We'd love to hear your feedback about the show. If you have a friend who hasn't heard about the show, we'd love it if you'd give a recommendation to them and tell them about what's going on on this series that we're doing here in cross-training. And I guess Ryan talked about it last week. If you haven't rated us in iTunes, it would be awesome if you would. Go to the podcast app and give us a five-star rating or four or three. And until next week, everyone, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. Shalom.